0: It's whenever you're listening to this, and you know what that means. It's time for the WrestleWolf AEW Wrestling Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Damian Gibson. mm, And uh, coming up on the show, we've got uh, some news stories about the AEW video game that's coming out, uh, Eddie Kingston's contract uh, future with AEW, and who MJF may be fighting at Forbidden Door If he is fighting, uh, best, worse, and wait and see of Dynamite and Rampage in the spot of the week. Um, It's just me this week, no Paulie, just due to some scheduling conflicts, so uh, we'll get straight into it. Uh, To start with, we've got um, one correction. I said last week that Ruby Soho had been on Dark uh, with the Renegade Twins for the last three weeks. It's actually been 11 weeks straight that she was on Dark or Dark Elevation, uh, and she only wrestled the Renegade Twins in two of those matches. Uh, and of those 11 matches, she won all 11. So only four of those matches were solo matches though. So I was kind of making the point that I felt like she was being misused. They're obviously doing the old, she's won, she's on a 24 match winning streak, um, and using dark and dark elevation to do that. Um, but, uh, yeah, I still think Ruby Soho is probably um better utilized on the top roster, right? Uh news. AE the AEW video game uh will be called AEW Fight Forever, which I actually think is a fantastic name. TK came out uh last week at the tapings and asked uh for some crowd participation to do some chants that they're going to record and use in the video game and then when he was explaining to the crowd what they were doing he he let it slip that the game was going to be called aw fight forever tony's usually pretty savvy <laughs> when it comes to this sort of stuff so i think that was probably intentional um but uh, yeah good name good name i'm really looking forward to it i know um the guys who we're involved in the the early versions of 2K. Um, I can't remember the name of the production company off the top of my head because I didn't write notes down about it, but uh, are involved. And I know that some of those guys were actually involved in the WCW versus NWO games on Nintendo 64, if you remember those, if you're as old as me. Um, so there's something really to look forward to. Um, and given the state of the WWE 2K games the last three or four years, Um, It wouldn't be hard for AEW to uh, take over in that space. Uh, Eddie Kingston talks about staying put in AEW. His contract is up, um, I think, in about eight months' time. Uh, And he was saying on a podcast this week that he isn't going anywhere. Um, And essentially saying that Tony Khan took a huge chance on him, getting him from uh, NWA. Across to AEW, uh, and that he's a loyal guy, and uh, he's not going to go anywhere. To be fair, I could not see Vince signing Eddie Kingston in a pink fit. Um, he just wouldn't get it. He just wouldn't get it, unless, uh, you know, unless there was a JR with Mick Foley type insider like talking his ear off to get him in. But even then, you know, I, could only, I could only imagine the kind of hellscape that Eddie would have to put up with if, if he went to the Fed. So. Uh, but good news for us as AEW people uh, or fans because we'll get to see him on AEW television all the time. Uh, MJF has been at it again on Twitter, basically talking about how he won't be at the forbidden door because he thinks New Japan are an overrated <laughs> company and he watches everything and he thinks it's shit and blah 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 blah. Uh and there's been a lot of back and forth uh with um Michael Sidgwick and What Culture. I saw um I saw uh uh Brian Alvarez and MJF having some back and forth about Jay White and uh it looks To me, looking at the tweets, it looks pretty certain that MJF and Jay White will be entering into some kind of feud over the next two months and and finding each other at the the Forbidden Door Uh, pay-per-view, which is the kind of jumping the gun a little bit here because this was announced on Dynamite this week, but is the AW slash New Japan pay-per-view that is uh, going to be happening in June on June twenty eighth, I think, off the top of my head. Um which leads us straight into Dynamite. Uh my best moment for Dynamite was the Forbidden Door announcement. Um Tony Khan and uh, President of New Japan coming out and getting hijacked by Adam Cole and Switchblade Jay White. It really is a big deal, you know. I mean for two I know Impact and AEW have done some stuff together, and I sort of by proxy Ring of Honor and Impact have done some stuff together. Um, But for companies this big in AEW and New Japan to work together um, is a big deal. I know there'll be people who'll be like, well, Ring of Honor and New Japan used to do it all the time. And yeah, I get that, but... um, there feels like there is a significant um groundswell of you know, AEW, New Japan, Impact, NWA, GCW, um, MLW. I mean, these are all companies that uh PWG, I know doing some stuff with AEW. So these are um I mean, all the wrestlers sort of know each other, so it's all interconnected, but it does very much feel like uh, the territories, if you want to call them that, are starting to realize that there's safety in numbers, and if they work together, they are more likely to, one, earn more money, but two, um, there is safety from the Fed when they all work together. So... Uh, but this forbidden door announcement was was big, and I liked that Adam Cole was the man who who got to make the announcement. It made him feel big time, made him feel like he was the face of the company. Um, and same for Jay White with New Japan. Uh, my worst bit of dynamite was Britt Baker's promo. I think she's been really out of form recently i think that promo was I mean, it was straight after a match so that's always a bit difficult I and mean, she was obviously puffed and stuff from the match but the match itself was not great anything that i just want to as an outsider and non-american i just want to give some some insight as an international fan we don't know who these nfl players are so I, I just you know i know the pop is all like it's all designed for the pop in the in the Stadium that looks good on TV and stuff, but when the promo goes for five, six minutes and it's all about Pittsburgh and it's all about NFL players and and even just Brit's shtick of running down all the women in the competition in the in her division in the AW division, I'm finding that a little bit old and tired at the moment. Um, I know it's all leading up uh, to future feuds, but it it just. I just didn't think it was very good. It felt unplanned. It felt rushed. It felt like she didn't stick the landing. Then you had one of the NFL players like playing with the microphone afterwards. It just all looked uh a bit second rate. <laughs> and um you know, it it makes to use the to use a uh triple H phrase, it makes AEW look like a B plus player. <laughs> and uh none of us want that you know but uh yeah there's a lot a lot of fans that watch outside of america so it might be an idea to not have a 10 15 minute segment centering around a uh you know localized sports team you know um i get i really like when the wrestlers sort of get a hometown welcome i like that but this felt very it's felt very WWE, you know, like, oh, we'll get the rub of the NFL players, of the Pittsburgh Steelers players. It's like, no one cares, except the people in Pittsburgh. Uh, and my wait and see from um, Dynamite, and I think people like regular listeners of the show will be surprised by this, seeing how much I love both of them. But Hook versus Danhausen. I mean, could you get a weirder first feud for either guy? Um, I just I yeah I mean I'm, in, I'm intrigued and they do seem to have good chemistry and I know that it's you know opposites attract kind of kind of thing um but I can only see this going like as far as an actual feud that ends in a wrestling match I can only see Hook winning this and winning this quickly Um. Or them becoming a tag team. That might be the other thing that comes out of it. If that happens, great. If it's a singles feud where Hook just kills Danhausen, then I don't know, man. Like I think Danhausen could be a lot more than you know, initially I get that he's a, a sort of mid card side player. But people genuinely love him. And I think if someone can get themselves over on social media the way Danhausen has, it shows that people are receptive to that. Um, you know, my girlfriend Kelly, who doesn't really watch a lot. Well, I mean, she watches a lot, but not by choice. <laughs> um, you know, she's not fascinated by Danhausen, but she will always sort of put her head up from her phone or a book or whatever, and 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 notice him. You know, and she'll always sort of like make a little chuckle to herself and and go back to what she's doing. So, anyone who can cut through like that. Is worth Time, so I just you know I trust Tony, trust the process, all that kind of thing, but I just worry that if Hook and Danhausen have a feud, it can only end in Hook killing Danhausen, and i I don't want to see that for Danhausen, I don't want to see w w e booking for um a character, you know, I'm not going to say Tony's going to bury Danhausen or anything like that, but. There has sort of been a history of anyone who's doing things slightly differently. The Warhorse came on the show; didn't get signed. Abaddon's been on the on the roster for two years now, and and nothing's really happened with her. Um, yeah, just anyone who's doing anything slightly different will get a look in, but they don't. Orange Cassidy is another one. Like I know he had, I know he was in a feud with Jericho and blah, blah blah, but he's never really been anywhere near. The heavyweight title so I just I just worry that uh, that those interesting characters are sort of being left behind a little bit for you more you know for people like Will uh, Wheeler Uta and Daniel Garcia who I like both of those guys but I want to see other things as well I want to see interesting guys and girls who are doing interesting things with their characters get a look in at being successful because you I mean one it's more fun to watch as a fan but it also differentiates you from your competition you know let's move on to Rampage now the best of the night for me was Eddie Kingston versus Daniel Garcia after saying all of that Um, it was Matt wrestling it was the technical wrestler versus the brawler and both of them do those things extremely well but their um their conflicting styles work really really well um and it was just sort of fascinating for me to watch an old hand like eddie make lead the dance if if that's a term that we can use but make it look like garcia was in total control it's just a complete prose performance and when they were hitting it looked like they were hitting hard and just fantastic stuff uh the worst was probably the jericho appreciation society promo <laughs> i think it was a pretty weak source uh there was a little couple of cherries on the i mean you know, obviously the boys are having fun with it but it just there was some weird timing issues and it it felt very much like play acting that have been made up on the spot. And I, I do like that, you know, I don't want scripted promos or anything, but this just sort of fell short. And I, you know, I said last week, it was a wait and see with the Jericho appreciation society. I just, I don't know, man, I don't know if you've got as charismatic people in this as you did in the inner circle. Uh, I think the 2.0 guys are funny. I think Garcia is definitely in ring. Fantastic. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Um, Jerrica does such a good job of getting people over, so, you know. And, you know, was I saying the same thing about the Inner Circle two or three weeks into their run? I probably was, knowing me. <laughs> so, you know, let's give it a year, six months, a year, and see where it's at. But, um, yeah, didn't like that promo. And my wait and see from Rampage is Jake Cargill. Uh Look, I'll be honest, I really thought that the main event um, was going to be terrible. I'd, I'd already basically marked it down as being my worst for the night, especially considering uh, the Adam Cole match was so good and, and Eddie and Garcia was so good. And, um, yeah, this last, the main event was great. And Jay am I'm, I'm starting to... <laughs> I mean, I know, I think it was like two weeks ago where I was like, ah, I don't know about Jay Cargo." You know, now that she's um, overcome Shafir and, and is 30 and oh and the way they sort of booked that match, it was actually a really entertaining match to watch. I thought it was going to be an absolute car crash, but they actually, both girls performed really, really well. Um, yeah, so, you know, they have, just through sheer force of will, Tony's kind of dragged me over the line on Jay Cargill. And I think she's kind of, even though she's being booked as a heel, I think she's getting over as a (laughs) babyface because I think a lot of people like people, you know, like characters who win, talk about money and have bitchy friends. I think people like that. Um, But uh, yeah, it's a wait and see because it, it could, you know, I'll see Jay Cargill one week and think oh she's a star, and then I'll see her the next week and think well she cannot wrestle, and this is terrible <laughs> and uh but she does seem to be getting better she's definitely getting really good at the presentation parts of the of of her job um and in ring is getting better all the time as well so it, it's a it's a wait and see for me with uh, jay cargo uh spot of the week. I don't usually do this. So I'm just sort of flying by the seat of my pants, but I thought Jake Cargill's flying boot towards the end of that main event on Rampage um, on Shafir was was fantastic when she looked like Shafir had the, the upper hand and then cut like, I think it had a lot to do with the camera work as well because Cargill's flying boot sort of came out of the corner of the screen. It was almost like a 3D movie, but um, yeah, fantastic stuff. Uh, and that's it. This is how quickly you get through stuff when there's just one of us. <laughs> um, I'm gonna wrap it up there guys. if you want to uh, support the show, you can go to our pa- uh, our patreon uh, it just help us helps us to advertise really, which we, we don't get the ability to do because we have to sink our own money into it. So if you think we deserve it, you can help us there. I'll put the links in the show notes. You can follow us on Twitter. I'll also put the links to the show uh, in the show notes to that as well. Um, and you can, uh, you know, when the new episode drops, we'll, we'll tweet it out there. But also you can share the podcast with, you, with your mates, which you do a lot of. Um, or you can just follow and subscribe in your podcast player and you'll get everything that we're we're doing. Um, we will be bringing back the WCW review show. So um, Matt went off and, and had a baby last year. Well, his uh, partner did. And um, so he'll be, He's essentially been on paternity leave, really. So anyway, the, the it's in very preliminary planning at the moment, but hopefully next month, I think, will be the first one. Um, and then we'll be doing them monthly from then on. So you're going to have years of WCW <laughs> entertainment. I think where we left off was um, Sting losing to Hulk Hogan uh, in maybe one of the worst booking decisions ever made in the history of pro wrestling. So what a fantastic place to start. Uh, <laughs> it's pretty, The story goes that it's all downhill from there, but our mission is to to disprove that narrative that WCW especially post-97, wasn't as bad as everybody makes it out to be. Um, but look, you don't have to watch every single episode. Me and Matt will put ourselves through that uh, torment to, um, <laughs> to for your entertainment. Anyway, until next time, brother friends, may your wrestling be good wrestling, and his name is Anthony Bones.